So live from beautiful Pahrump, Nevada, in Jimmy Lewis World, which is exactly the same as Dirt Bike Test World, which is my office, which is connected to my house, which is um, right outside. There's dirt bike riding, but there's a pool, and I'm pretty sure we're going to do one of these shows from the pool as soon as I figure out how to hook all this stuff up and not shock myself, which might be kind of fun. But uh, cheers. Uh Good to see everybody. Thank you for um, sticking around while I had technical difficulties. This is Tech Talk Taco Tuesday number 19. And I said by number 20 I was going to have them up as uh, podcasts, but um, we'll see how I, <laughs> how I do with that. I, I, I got to go on tour here and do riding demonstrations and things like that. And uh, that means I can't work on technical issues. So tonight I have a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, I got a got a few little uh, things to complain about, and some new dirt bikes, and a lot of questions. Got a, got some good questions this year, this week. It's actually two weeks of questions since last week. I couldn't um, get my questions because I didn't do any show prep. I went riding. I was actually out doing rally training with uh, Andrew Short and Ricky Brabeck, and uh, those guys. Hopefully, um, one of those guys is going to win the Dakar next year. That's my hope. And they're training hard and doing everything they can to make that happen. So, um, anyways, I will uh, start out with all the stuff I have on my sheet. Then I'll roll into the questions that I find on the um, computer right here. And then uh, then I'll, I'll keep complaining after that. So, oh, I don't have a co-host tonight. As you, as you can see, I, I, had, a, I had a super awesome idea or I, I made an offer to a co-host and he he couldn't make it, so uh, yeah. Who wants to sit next to me, right? <laughs> uh, they ask me good questions, though. I like I like the co-host when they ask me questions. So to support Dirt Bike Test, you should buy a T-shirt. Um, you can't get this T-shirt because this is a Fuck You T-shirt, and I said that properly. Um, it is uh, not available anymore. Dare to keep kids on dirt bikes. That's right. Um, and, uh, but if you order a t-shirt, you better do it within the next, uh, hour, no, 24 hours or something like that. Uh, because the t-shirt shop is going to close for a while while I go on tour. Otherwise you're going to have to put your order on hold and you're going to be like poor Brian from a who ordered some t-shirts and then I went on vacation and then I promptly forgot to ship it to him period. So, um, sorry about that, Brian. I threw an extra sticker in there for you because <laughs> that's what we all want in the motorcycle industry, right? So, uh, yeah, top of the hour, or now we're 20 minutes in, I'm sure, 15 in. Mm. And uh, follow Dirt Bike Test everywhere. Uh, that's important. We need to boost our numbers because in reality, like when I talk to people about supporting and sponsoring the show, they go, well, you don't really have that many followers and you don't have that many, you know, look at so-and-so has this many. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, those guys have a lot, and a lot of the stuff that they put out is like not helping you sell your product because they're not talking about it, and they're not. It's just fun stuff to look at, and so when people are looking at fun stuff, and then an ad comes up, they swipe right past it. But when someone like us talks about stuff, the reason you're here is you want to learn and get engaged about motorcycle and motorcycle-related products, and so your eyes are also open when we have advertising, and that's why I really like the people that support this show um, currently. 
We have TM Design Works, who makes awesome chain sliders, chain guides, plastic protection parts, skid plate stuff. Uh, Acherbys, everybody knows Acherbys for their plastic. They also have super top secret gear if you know how to get a hold of it. Um, and uh, they make also uh, excellent big gas tanks. And I know Gabe is over in the corner trying to make sure the logo pops up when I say it. He's doing the best that he can. I never tell him how we're going to do this. It's just uh, made very quick. So, uh, and then um, Kate's Bars. That's why I'm hyper, because I eat Kate's real food. Um, they make the best little granola bars that you've ever had in your life. And uh, I have one right here. And I'm going to eat it like right after I eat my tacos. I didn't have a chance to eat my tacos because I was dealing with technical difficulties. So the new Kawasaki's are in. Got it, Gabe? Trying, right? Click, click, click. Um, for us in our world, um, everybody's talking about the KX250F because that's a motocross bike, but the bike that I'm really surprised at, and not too surprised, but I'm, I'm surprised that it's out there is the KLX300R. This is a all-new bike. It's actually an old bike that they brought back, but they brought it back um, kind of in a new form. Um, electric start, that was something that was missing on the old ones, and I know about that because I raced one in the Monica Enduro in Hawaii, and I stalled it one time and uh, on an uphill, and I couldn't turn the bike around to bump start it because that would have been the easiest thing to do, but kicking that thing for a while. And I also raced one in, oh, I raced one in the Incas Rally. Yeah. I won the Incas Rally on a KLX 300. <laughs> so uh, it was a team rally. I was teamed with uh, Arnoldo Nickley, and he was riding a KTM 350 uh, four-stroke at the time. But uh, So I have a lot of experience on these bikes, fond of them. Um, uh, for a light, um, nimble four-stroke, they were kind of like Honda had the XR 400, which was supposed to be light, but in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't. And Kawasaki had this KLX 300 that was actually pretty light and agile. It didn't make the same torque as the Honda 400, but I think when you got it revving, it worked really well. So um, this one is a EPA emissions compliant bike. Um, they've done that through fuel injection and there's also a catalyst in the muffler. So very similar to what Honda is doing with their 450L and you're gonna see a lot more of this in the future because of the more stringent emission regu emissions regulations. And even in California, there was kind of the fear of them going to a very strict evaporative emissions things. And you'll see this on the KLX 230. The California one actually has a steel gas tank with the locking gas cap. It's the same as the dual sport one because that's how stringent that kind of stuff was getting. But I think Kawasaki has found a really nice niche in the market that's not served right now. I, it'll be interesting to ride it to see how they set it up. If they set the suspension up, you know, on the semi-aggressive side, this could be a really fun bike. Uh, if it's not a mushy trail bike, um, it could do really well. It's got basically, you know, older generation KX style suspension on it. I, we don't know exactly who makes it. I don't know if it's Kayaba, uh, but it looks like it's the, you know, a few years back Kayaba stuff. Um, but not adjustable on rebound. It's only compression adjustable on the front forks and then just compression rebound on the shock. Uh, so I think all in all, a, uh, a, a nice hit for Kawasaki. They make some pretty neat bikes. I'm just wondering where the KLX 650 is or KLR 650. I'm sorry, KLR 650. Uh, Cause that has kind of disappeared from the lineup and we're waiting for the replacement for that. And everybody was going, where's the KX 
KLX 450, KX 450L, or, you know, whatever that one is. Um, that was kind of a lot of the questions we got. And of course we are not seeing that. So this is kind of a, it's the, the, the way they're placing it. It's a gap between a trail bike and a full on competition motocross bike. So really a, a high level trail bike is what this thing should uh, pan out to be. And then the KX 250F this year gets basically an all new motor or really an all new top end. I think the bottom end is the same. And probably the biggest thing everybody's missing on that is no electric start. Uh, that's probably coming soon. They're probably going to redesign the bottom end, but they wanted to get some time with this top end and they did an all new head that has the finger follower head, very similar to the 450. They changed the bore and stroke. And so you're going to have a new motor because in the shootouts and in the comparisons and of course the highest level racing they've been hurting for power and the race teams know how to get it you can just watch any national and see some of the riders pulling the whole shots and uh this will make it easier especially for you know it'll probably be easier for a regular guy to have really good power you won't have to do super crazy stuff like they have to do to the current bike to get the maximum amount of power out of it and then they switched to kaaba suspension uh they went from the showa the showa i think it was the ssf the single spring fork and now they're back to a normal uh fork which is very similar to what the yamaha uh run and uh so kaaba front and rear suspension and that'll be an interesting bike to ride in the very competitive 250 motocross class and then we have the other bike that uh we will talk about quickly is the klx 230 which is available as a dual sport bike and i think gabe even has a photo of it it's not pretty <laughs> it looks like a, it looks like a trail bike um it's a it, then the one we're looking at on the screen is a dual sport bike so it's available as a dual sport bike and this is a great entry level bike um, they're excited about this cause they sell a lot of these things. And, uh, it's the kind of bike you'd see on the back of a bumper of a motorhome. It's the kind of bike that you would see, uh, your mom put putting around on and, uh, maybe someone that just gets into it. Um, so that's the new Kawasaki's. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, I will go ahead and try to, um, uh, post, uh, or ping through the answers and stuff like that. And we will see um, what to do. I see one question here. How do I buy a shirt like the one your guest on your left is wearing? Those ones are not available. Those are the official dirt bike test uh, staff, test rider, bike washer, um, pick up my bike and deliver it someplace guy uh, shirt. So you have to earn those. You can't buy those shirts. And uh, so it's, yeah. And then, and then we, you have to give them back to us because we burn them after you wear them out a little bit. So it's, you know, it's kind of, they're kind of trendy and cool. So you can't have that one. <laughs> um, okay. Some questions. Uh, oh, I know what I was going to tell you about. I remember a couple weeks back, I did a show with uh, George from ESP suspension and he worked on our CR 450 X suspension. I've got a fair amount of time on that stuff now. And I will tell you that he did an excellent job. Um, he got me that like a little bit of extra initial comfort and better bottoming resistance, more progressive feel, kind of what I seem like I always want when I'm asking for suspension help or or it's either really good on one end or the other and then we kind of fix the one end that isn't right. But uh, he got it more compliant, more bump compliant on the small stuff, so in the rocks and the technical things. 
and then even gave it more uh, bottoming resistance for when we're going fast out in the desert. So a really good setup for, I would say, an average guy. Because um, I rode, I rode um, the Pro Circuit suspension on the Honda race bike, the one that won the Mint 400. And that was a very stiff package. Had really good bottoming resistance, and I feel like I've got that on mine. But it didn't have the little bump compliance. And those guys don't want that because it makes the bike feel a little bit wallowy. And mine initially felt a little bit wallowy, but it was just a few clicks of rebound to kind of slow it down. And uh, I think I stiffened up the compression just a bit. I don't remember which direction I went with it, but I sent him back the little clicks. I think it was three clicks here and there. And uh, and it, that thing is dialed. I'm super happy with it. It's way more like the Yamaha WR now in the in the um, more technical riding, the slower riding where that bike had suffered before. So. Uh, pretty pretty stoked on that. So, if you want to talk to George about it, um, he can dial you in. I'm sure that's ESP suspension. You can just Google it, and he pops up and like five star ratings on Yelp and things like that, which you would expect. Um, Eric Hermstead. I always I remember that name. Eric uh, asked me a question: What effect does moving the forks up and down the triple clap? clamps have on handling um it's very similar to adjusting the ride height in the rear the sag um it basically alters the geometry of the bike and it puts more weight or less weight on the front end depending on what you do to a certain extent and it it changes the it changes everything you know kind of the angle but the more you go down the more you slide the forks up in the up in the tubes the generally the more weight it puts on the front wheel the more um the uh, the sharper the turning becomes, maybe the bike becomes a little bit less stable. Um, and then when you slide them down on the forks, the bikes tend to become more stable, and it affects the rake and the trail a little bit in the setup. But it's it's and usually when we adjust it, we do like three and five millimeter adjustments when we're changing it. I know when we had the WR450, um, one of my test riders, Dave Donatoni man, right away, he goes, I want to slide these forks up in the tube because he felt that the front end was riding high. He just had that sensation, so he slid it up. And and we had also, at the same time, because of his weight, um, uh, taken a little bit. That way, we were able to take some spring preload out, so it balanced, it kind of balanced the chassis out. So that's what um, sliding the forks up and down in the trip clamps does, and it's so easy to do. Um, you just want to make sure you get them, you know, you keep them level when you do it. Uh, that makes uh, a big difference. <laughs> but um, And then another thing you can do that also mimics that sensation is you can run sometimes negative air pressure or a little bit of air pressure. It depends on if you have the ability to put air pressure in. But you can actually you know drop the forks down and um, you know release the... It's not a precision uh, adjustment, but you can take some air out and run a little bit of negative pressure in the forks and that will hold them down as well and even the adjustments will do that kind of stuff so eric hopefully that answers your questions um and then a next question is from brian burke um any suggestions on the te 300i versus a fe350 he says i am buying one for single track riding in the mountains i'm on the fence as to which one to buy i live in california so the plated bike has that advantage but there's plenty of places i can ride the two-stroke the 350 seems like it's more expensive to own in the long run Thanks. Uh, he says, I might do some local enduros for fun, just not to compete. So in reality, um, 
300 two stroke versus 354 stroke. You're you're talking about I want a lighter bike, a lighter, good handling, nimble bike. Um, the 300 two stroke will have more power and it will have more torque, especially at lower RPMs. Um, the 350 has a longer power band and probably puts out pretty close. You know, eh, it's getting close in the horsepower. I mean, at least what the tire will handle, but you've really got to rev it to get up there. So, um, getting those two, you know, choosing the right one there, it's a definitely a personal decision in California, just because of the license plate and the ability to link trails together. If you don't have to, if you don't have to have a license plate, then the two, two stroke gets way more favorable. Um, the, the 350 when, you know, cause it has a license plate, it helps, um, in that aspect and it makes it so you can go riding more places that's the thing. But the one thing you said is the 350 seems like it's a lot more expensive to own in the long run. I don't know where that question comes from. I, I do know because the internet says it's a four stroke and everything's going to wear out and blow up. I have a KTM 350 that has 500 some odd very hard hours on it. And I haven't done a thing to it. Oh, I did do one thing. My cam chain tensioner, uh, it's a hydraulic campaign tensioner and it got sticky. And so it was, I had to replace that. That's the only thing I've done to that bike. And I think I've only replaced the clutch damper rubbers in it a few times, which is a, you know, a known wear item, but as far as like top ends and, you know, valves wearing out and stuff, I don't think, uh, I don't think it's going to be any more expensive to own in the long run. And in fact, I think it's just a toss up. You're going to break more part. You're going to spend more money modifying it, you know, customizing it. Uh, in, in, a lot of times when I see people that have these problems, they modified themselves into the problem they're currently having. Like when their bike finally breaks, they go, oh, this bike broke. And I'm like, well, what did you do to it last? And then they'd say, well, I put, you know, I put this trick cover on it. And it's like, and so the trick cover was what fell off and the oil came out of it. Yeah, yeah, but that's, it still blew up. I'm like, of course it did. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't think there's a cost differential between those two bikes. So go do some local Enduros. Have fun. Um, and uh, that chain tensioner, I just stuck a stock one back in there, but I do know that the Dirt Tricks um, tensioner also works. Uh, I don't know if they, do they make it for the, they make a manual one for the 350? Yeah, they have a manual one, but the, the I mean, the fact that I got like 400 hours out of the stock one, just I just slid another one in, it was, cheap like 18 bucks or something so cole baldwin asks great video jimmy and he's talking about the video i did on my ktm 1090 build um are you running tubes in the tires yes i am um what pressures do you usually run for hard off-road 27 psi all the time every time no matter what i'll run a little lower sometimes if i'm just riding in dirt but usually the tire pressure is a little bit lower because the bike's been sitting and the tire pressure went down and I didn't check it. But if I check it, it always goes back to 27. Um, I just bought a 17 on eBay, fully tricked out. That scares me. Um, so I'm learning. So I'm trying to learn everything I can about them. Uh, it's fully tricked out. That scares me. But <laughs> um, uh, did yeah, good. Um, it, hopefully it's tricked out exactly like mine and then it's perfect, but whoever tricked it out, um, hopefully we're not going to go back to that last question where I talk about when something went wrong, what was the last thing you did to the bike? Well, you bought it from a guy that tricked it out. So 
that's how you start chaining if anything goes wrong. Um, I'm going to race some desert races on it. <laughs> uh, call Quinn Cody. Not don't don't uh, don't email or text or call Jimmy Lewis anymore. Go straight to Quinn Cody. He can help you with this. He's done this before. I've never raced my 1090 that I know of. Wouldn't do that. That they're they're adventure bikes. KTM makes a really nice line of race bikes. Uh, so. Um, okay. On to a question about the JD jetting tuner killer. Kella replied, I have the same bike and I'm thinking of also adding this. Have you added it yet? And if so, how's your experience on the 2019? Well, killer that was on a 2019 KTM 350 EXC, the video that we shot. And when we talk about it, um, that was the, that was the bike we used it on. It's awesome. Uh, those things are a great addition, especially if you do any further modifications. But even as a solo modification, they're an excellent addition. Um, so don't think about it. Just do it. And uh, let's see. KTM 350 EXC video. Um, Juta. Jutai. He says, I've been searching YouTube for a while, and you guys seem to be the only guys with enough knowledge to tell what the difference is between this, the KTM 350, and a Husky 350 FE. I know the Husky got linking suspension, but what else? Well, there's a long list. <laughs> they're, they're, they're mostly the same. As much as KTM and Husky try to stay separate, they're, they're very similar in the big core pieces like right down to the frame but once you go to the subframe and the air box that's probably the biggest place where the husky differs besides the linkage suspension it has a composite subframe and a uh a slightly more restrictive air box just based on the shapes and 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 uh stuff so it doesn't maybe it doesn't flow as as good as the ktm one i'm not 100 percent sure why but that is the case then the husky uses Magura, I believe the Husky uses Magura clutch activation as opposed to Brembo. And I may be 100% off on that, but one's Magura and one's Brembo. And the Husky also has pro taper handlebars as opposed to whatever ones the KTM has. And I think that's your biggest differences other than the cosmetics and the looks. When you ride them, they do feel a little bit different. It feels like it's a little bit different. Like, you know, when you ride your friend's bike that bought the exact same bike as you and he maybe changed the seat and change the clickers on the suspension that's the difference between a ktm and a husky uh when you're riding quote the same sized uh motorcycle they have a little bit different feel more so on the exc versus fe because of the shock linkage but really not as much as you'd think um i tend to like uh i tend to like the pds but that's because i'm weird and somebody just let me know that the husky has a magura um rear brake also so i didn't know that so interesting uh okay craig three five seven five three three five seven five says uh this is all these are all these questions came in through our um discuss uh thing where if you're reading the tests on our website you can ask questions down at the bottom of the tests and we intend to answer those most uh every every uh week as well and he's talking about tires. And he was he was watching the... Are you trying to throw tacos at me? Just so I'm distracted? You really tried to... Did somebody tell you to do that? Yeah, distracted by tacos. Um, 
He he read our test on the Michelin Star Cross tires, and he said, in general, is it correct to pair the 80 width front with a 110 rear and the 90 front with the 120 rear? I see some guys always going to the widest front but sticking with the OEM 110 rear. So in general, no, that's not correct. Basically, you choose the width of the front tire based on what you're looking for. Like, I want a little bit more traction, or I like the little extra weight feel that the, the bigger tire gives, or maybe you get a little more bump compliance uh, with the uh, 90 tire sometimes. Uh, and some, t- some guys like the stiffer sidewall, the more narrow um, thing, the way it affects the traction. So it doesn't, the rear sides, unlike street bikes, which seem to be a lot more picky about the tire sizing, um, it's like a, a feel thing. And for instance, the same reason I go to smaller, more narrow rims on my adventure bikes sometimes to get the tires to round up a little bit more. It makes the bike feel more agile and nimble everywhere. So um, I think you can kind of do what you want. The best thing to do is to try both and see which one tires your wear item. So wear them out. Try different things. If you don't like it, and right away you can take it off and then sell it to your buddy. Uh, okay, let's see. Uh, this, okay. Oh, this is, this is one of our comments from our, our previous shows. Hi there, guys. At about 3330, where you made me laugh when John mentioned the bar risers and that everyone seems to get right away without even working with the stock adjustment. So Big John, um, my uh, social media criticizer uh, for Dirt Bike Test, uh, who couldn't be here tonight because he has a real job sometimes, uh, would probably answer this better than me. And then Jimmy's comment on students drinking the Kool-Aid, which I call high bar Kool-Aid because everybody just goes to these high bars on adventure bikes. Or it's just a normal thing because when you stand up and pump your pelvis forward, kind of like you think, the proper riding style is which it isn't watch a motocross guy watch how they're hinged at the hips and it looks like they're squatting but they're not they're just bending their hips they're still standing up very balanced and um but anyways so strange parts to put on the bike he said something i learned at your school is how horrible i had my bike set up i had these things called steg pegs and they did nothing but get in the way of me moving around on my bike uh, I have the same problem with those, but some people really like those because they hold them on the bike. That's why they were invented. And um, But for me, they kind of get in the way because of the way I move my feet around in the foot pegs a lot. I've since removed these and also removed the huge adventure foot pegs. Um, I don't remember specifically which bike he was talking about, how huge his adventure foot pegs are, but I like big foot pegs, but not fat, like forward to back. I like them wider, like sticking out so I have more leverage on the bike but uh anyways he said uh the narrow pegs have forced me to get tight on the bike and i'm squeezing with my legs as needed awesome that's um what you learn when you play around and test things one thing at a time hopefully um okay uh harry potter 2 said since you mentioned improving brakes any suggestion on improving brakes on a honda xr650l yes and like I try to tell Mitch all the time, go get a Honda CRF450L. That'll improve the brakes quite a bit. But since you're stuck with that bike, <laughs> yeah, 40 pounds uh, of motorcycle will go a long ways uh, when you have, uh, uh, and Honda wants you to get the new bike too. I, I promise you. Um, that's why she's advertising this show, right? Uh But anyways, on your 650L, so I think that bike has a rubber front brake line, at least the the... 
the newer ones do. And it, all you have to do is go really with the bike just sitting there, squeeze, squeeze on the front brake and watch that that brake line like stretch and and that's where your braking power is going right out through the rubber so you're going to lose some of it there so the first thing i would do and this goes for kawasaki klx 650 owners as well because those things have notoriously sloppy brakes um replace the brake line uh that'll help a ton then well of course make sure your fluid's good there's no bubbles in it and stuff then you can start probably the next easiest thing to do is start playing with pads um the honda brake pads are generally pretty good but sometimes they, on those type of bikes, they err on the side of durability as opposed to like real grip and stopping power. So try some different ones. Whatever you do, do not get those red EBC brakes that are made for brake draggers. They, I see them on so many bikes. and People go, why do my brakes suck? It's because you just bought brakes that are designed for a guy that's going to be riding a GNCC in the mud and his brakes have to last three hours while he drags them. They're not good for stopping. They need The, the disc has to match the color of the road or of the, of the pad before those things start working. So get good brake pads. I know for a fact that Galfer makes excellent brake pads. Um, uh, what's the other one we tested uh, that I really liked? Um, I used to run braking stuff uh, when I was racing, and they make also good stuff. Uh, theirs have a little more bite and not a lot of they, – they have, they have a lot of grab. Uh, what was the other one? AP. AP makes some really good um, brake pads as well. Pricey, um, but they seem to have, they're, they're very similar to the Galfers. Maybe a little more initial bite, but then good, like good consistent feel when you're really on, on the brakes. And so hopefully that helps you. But I think the easiest thing to do is just get a new bike. Uh, send all your uh, XR650L hate mail to jimmy at dirtbiketest.com. Um, uh, Mark uh, Kapiloff at Baja Diaries uh, will tell you to buy an XR650. Um, so you can listen to him too. Uh, I have one of those as well, but I, I like my Husaberg better. Uh, okay. Uh, any idea? Oh, on the 2020 KTMs, the new ones that have just been released, any idea if the intake still has the read blocks? Uh, this is Harley. I think it's Harley 3. Yeah. Um, yes, they will still have the uh, reads in the intake because they need to for sound. Those things really keep the bikes quiet, and I think they make them run very good for the way that most of us ride, which is the first uh, eh, the first three quarters of throttle. After that, on the bigger bikes, they can uh, provide some restriction, but um, when are you really wide open? And uh, So yes, reads are still in the 2020 KTMs. So I'm going to scroll over here to the questions. Hey, Morgan, how do you like my hat? I saw you. You like my hat? I put this on there because you shared that. If you were on Dirt Bike Test's Facebook page earlier, you can probably find it on the thing you're doing, but don't don't close down the, the video because then you'll lose me. Uh, when uh, we put up that thing about two-stroke, the little comic strip about two-stroke, and it, basically it shows a bunch of Romans and there's a bunch of dead people that they've just killed. Comic, by the way. They're all on the ground, and they, they the one asks the other one, he says, how do we know if all these people are dead or they're just faking? And then the 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 next uh, comic thing has the bullet over the thing, and it's and and the, the little guy says to the big guy, he says, "Just ask them which two-stroke oil they're running." And then the next one, you see all these different two-stroke oil name brands pop up. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you really got to follow us on Facebook too. 
because uh, we find stuff like that and put it up there. Thanks to, I think it was Glenn that uh, one of our friends put that up there and I stole it from him. And then Morgan stole it from me and he even he was smart enough to even put his logo on it uh, in the middle. So one step better at the uh, social media marketing than me, Morgan. Good job. Um, so, uh, and the best thing was, is so everybody's like spouting out, like all of a sudden, then everybody starts spouting out their favorite two-stroke oils. And I got asked this on the show. See, you guys are doing it live right now. You're like starting to throw numbers around. Like, no, think. What, some clown put Rotella. Does Rotella make two-stroke oil? Is there Rotella two-stroke? It's not a two-stroke oil. That's a, that's a diesel. You know what, Rotella guy? Pour it in your gas tank on your two-stroke and run it. See, tell me how that works. <laughs> you didn't even pay attention to the question. That's, this is how far we've come. People have grown up and never had to mix gas because they, they, they've been riding really good four strokes. Uh, that's amazing. You know, it's like, it's like you, you, twin shock. What drum brakes? Huh? Yeah. No power valve on that thing. That's not a two stroke question. So anyways, um, wait till I have to work on a carburetor <laughs> to pull all the Rotel out that fell, fell to the bottom when you poured it in the gas tank. Like I just said, don't do that. That was, uh, that was uh oh somebody's defending the guy that that said rotella <laughs> hey don't worry there's plenty of dumb people on the internet that will do whatever you say and i guarantee you after that post went up two guys were probably walking through walmart picked up some rotella and said man this is cheap i'm gonna put that in my two-stroke in my kdx 200 where's all my kdx 200 buddies i was gonna tell a story about racing a kdx 200 and how i got in trouble but um you have to show up in the form and uh we will, uh, if, if you're there, I'll do it. Uh, I'm going to rant about something else here. Uh, so this is the state of current state of, uh, your motorcycle media. Uh, and in particular, they told me not, George told me not to do this. George said, Jimmy, don't do it. Cause you're going to sound bitter and old and, and, and pissed off and vengeful. And you guess what? I am. <laughs> so you're right. So last week, I got an email uh, from someone, and I and I talked to the guy, so I'm going to let him rem- remain nameless because uh, I appreciated him talking to me. I got an email that said, Dear Jimmy, um, I am writing an article for Dirt Rider magazine, or not magazine anymore because the magazine's gone, but for Dirt Rider about sand riding techniques. And I am reaching out to people that, can give me some good information about sand riding. We're doing a story on, um, uh, I think they were doing something about riding in Utah and there's some sand dunes in Utah. And and so he said, I want to learn about sand riding techniques and I'm reaching out to maybe you or one of your people can help me uh, get this information. That was the first paragraph. Second paragraph. I am not a rider, nor have I ever ridden motorcycles. So, you might have to explain things to me a little bit and, and, but I really would appreciate some expert advice. And I just, I, at that point I just slapped myself. I'm like, are you kidding me? Okay. So I'm going now dirt rider is hiring people that are not riders, riders to write stories about how to ride. Okay. Uh, see when I was the editor, I couldn't write, but at least I knew how to ride and I spoke, our language, your language. I could talk dirt bike stuff. And when I saw something come across my desk that I hated to sit at, that was just obvious fluff, BS, 
crap, I spotted it right away. I mean, I can read a little bit. Um, so I'm like, no, you can't put that in this magazine. That's bull crap. That's, you know, that's not, that's not the right thing. That's why I was the editor because I understood that kind of stuff. So, so I, I asked this, so I called, I got a hold of this guy and I asked him and I said, I said, well, good on him for finding me, by the way. And I, I, I didn't necessarily say, do you know who the, I am, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I used to be the editor of dirt rider. <laughs> so, and he had no idea. He didn't, didn't know. I mean, he just, he found me because I search when you see do riding schools, I come up as a riding school guy. So, but he was also given my information from his editor. I'm like, who's your editor? Who is, who is the editor of dirt rider now? Well, he gave me some gal's name and she told him to, to write this, this story. And, and I'm like, so I'm going to tell you how I teach riding in sand, which I promise you is completely different than the way everybody else teaches. I do not tell you to get over the back and gas it. If you want to know my tricks for the sand, you got to come talk to me about my school, but it's go slow. It's learn your balance. And so I said, the way I'm going to tell you to ride in the sand is completely different than, you know, the way anybody else would tell you. And, and so, but you as a, as a journalist that doesn't ride motorcycles or anything about it, how do you know what I'm telling you is correct versus what everybody else is going to tell you? And I told him this and I said, and he goes, yeah, that kind of, he goes, I've been doing a little bit of research and what you're saying doesn't seem like it's the norm. And I go, it's absolutely not the norm. And so, but how do you as the editor who's going to tell people or the writer that's going to tell people how to ride in the sand, how do you know the difference between the right technique and the wrong technique? Because you don't, <laughs> you, you're just, you're just going on. And how do you know that you didn't get a hold of Jimmy Lewis who, who doesn't know the first thing about riding and doesn't know anything about dirt rider. And it's like, I just want to get my name in the magazine. Yeah. Okay. Put it in fourth gear and just gas it. So here's, here's my conundrum is like, I'm just, I'm pissed. I'm like, is that where this brand has gone down to? Cause I put a lot of time and effort into, you know, keeping it where it was, maybe making it better. Hopefully that's why I left. I know because they wanted me to do this kind of crap. They wanted me to hire people that 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 didn't have any interest in motorcycles. They wanted to make money. They and, and like you're not making money in that industry. So these are people that couldn't get a job riding for popular mechanics or riding for cat fancy or any other thing. They just want to write. And they're so anyways, I gave this guy, you know, my tips and stuff, thanked him for talking to him, told him some stuff. Um, and then he, uh, so he said, I I'd like to use your stuff. So what do you do? He sent like the next email that came from back from him. He sent me a release, <laughs> a, not, a, a, a release that basically said that he could use my name and my likeness for all these advertising things. And I just realized, oh, this is one of these third, he's a third party person that's trying that now. So now dirt riders out there getting free content. Cause that's what, the, so, so this guy's going to write a bunch of ads into it. And I guarantee you that the minute that he would have used my name, the next thing is somebody in his sales department would have called me up and said, Hey, would you like to advertise your school in this article? We're getting published in dirt rider. You know, it's this, it's this triangular. Some dirt rider doesn't want to pay a cent for the content. Some company that's going to try to sell the content, you know, via advertising. This is what you're, this is, there's, there's nobody down there that's doing what they're supposed to be doing because a they don't pay, b they don't care what they're putting out. They just want to. They just want eyeballs on it, and people like me are going to go away because I'm doing this because I like it. But I couldn't afford to do this what I'm doing right now with dirt bike test. It, you know, so here's here's where 
it all gets funny, you know, it's, it's, we've, we've worked ourselves away and I understand print going away and stuff like that, but you know, everybody got into this digital advertising and everything was so cheap. And all of a sudden now to get real quality eyeballs, not fluffy eyeballs, it's starting to get a little bit more expensive and people don't understand that. So that was number one. So now remember who you're reading when you're reading on the internet. That's the same guy that's going to tell you to put Rotella in your two stroke. Because he doesn't know any different, right? <laughs> he, somebody just said it, and that guy knows. So I'm gonna, you know, who knows? It was, the guy was making a joke, and all of a sudden it becomes reported on by a journalist. So the other thing is, I had a, another uh, motorcycle media outlet to remain um, unnamed pick up a motorcycle from me the other day, and the person that came and picked up the motorcycle, I was warned by the guy I was talking to this that. The person picking up the motorcycle would not know how to tie it down to transport it. Yes. Yes. They don't. This person is going to have an influence on you in some capacity in some editorial outlet, and he doesn't know how to tie a motorcycle down in a trailer. So be careful out there. Just saying. <laughs> he was a full-time employee of an editorial outlet. So good on you. Uh, and I'm sure that most people that are paying attention here are smart enough to um, be able to see through that kind of stuff. But we're trying to warn the other people that aren't because I, it, 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 I have fear. <laughs> so, okay. Um, yeah, Jesse, that was a trip to Haterville. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to scroll up to the top of this thing. I think is this, this is where I started. Um, Let's see, which end, I always forget which end starts, let's see, um, lots of poison, out there. so that's probably the one we just got through, so I'm going to roll through the questions, that's funny, owning a KTM EXCF and running desert for all these years, I think Kawasaki should have called me for advice, <laughs> Jesse, why don't you, um, why don't you uh, write some stuff for a, a dirt bike test? Because, see, I see Trevor was on here. He probably hung up on me. Trevor, Trevor writes stuff for Dirt Bike Test. Just not enough of it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Baja Diaries. There's there's our XR650R lover. And Morgan beat you to the punch, though. I can see that. Um, Andrew just watched a few of... Oh, he's talking... To, you guys are talking amongst yourself. Uh Let's see. Mark has a great laid back style. Okay. You guys are having your own discussion. I'm getting to the questions. Um, tacos. That must've been when he threw me the tacos. Is that, is, somebody put a picture of a taco on the post and then you slid a taco. If I eat a taco, you know, what it's going to sound like in this microphone. It's going to be horrible. Um, let's see. Uh, how many Watts does the stator put out on a 2019 KX 450? I don't know <laughs> enough to run the fuel injection system and maybe just a little bit more, but not much. Um, so I'm sure you're thinking about putting lights or something on it. And, uh, they, that, that specification would be in the manual. And, uh, a lot of times what in the man, what's in the manual doesn't necessarily wait. You, what do you got going on? You know, the spec, you know, the KX 450 output, Somebody answered it already? <laughs> um, Jimmy, mention tubeless versus moose if you want some controversy. No. 
Yes. Two, uh, moose, 100%. I, I run both of them, but I don't, the tubeless, like, um, it leaks every once in a while. It's just if they sit, they're not that great. If you if you're doing dual sport with tubeless, and and you're you're like riding on, let's say you're riding on on the freeway with the expansion joints and stuff like that. I've actually had my tire like slowly over a long period of time lose pressure, you know, from the from the impacts and stuff. And you know, I was running low pressure, of course. You know, probably should have pumped it up, but I had I had plenty of pressure on the outside. So um, uh, they. They have their purposes, both of them. Um, I prefer I prefer the moose if I'm actually I, I like tubes if I'm going to do real dual sport riding where I'm riding on the freeway and high high speed. But man, I've been beating the crap out of some of those um, nitro moose soft mooses, like doing stupid high speed stuff. Like last week when I was riding with the rally guys, I was on a nitro moose soft moose because I'm doing stupid torturing stuff to it, and it's still good. So I actually suggested a guy run the tour of Idaho with him last week. Uh, and I probably would, uh, Chris Smith. Hell yeah. I'm coming. Okay. If you guys want to come and write for dirt bike test, um, oh, you want to go right for dirt rider. Chris Smith does. Yeah. Okay. You need a cool column name. Uh, <laughs> pro advice from a novice. <laughs> Chris, I think you're, you're, you know, what? I'm going to have the intern program out here. You can come out here. You got to ride at four o'clock in the morning and you only get to ride till about seven thirty. Uh, we have all the bikes you can ride. You just got to, the rest of the time, you just got to crank out here and produce content because we don't do enough of that. Um, let's see. Um, did I tell him to use Rotella? Mad Magazine. Well, I don't get that one. Let's see. When you're riding the sand, you put Rotella on your seat. <laughs> Chris watches all of our shows. If, if you missed last week, uh, <laughs> where I had two of the best, uh, rally riders in the world tell me to take the feet off the pegs and stick them out. Um, uh, you gotta, you gotta go back and watch that one. We'll get it, put it up there. We're working on it. Gabe was working on that today. I've just been out doing too much other stuff. Um, let's see. Um, lots of poisonous people out there. That's right. Uh, who mentioned Rotella? <laughs> Jim Wells, Jim Wells. Do you work for Rotella? I, I I don't get it because now your name is all over this place. Rotel is all they're getting like free plugs. They're going two stroke gas. <laughs> I hope not. Um, and I'll tell you, I've put a lot of different two stroke oils in my gas, but never Rotella. <laughs> uh, here we go. Tacos. Um, let's see. Actually, can you plug and play a squadron sport? Uh, I don't. Okay, they're working on it. Um, Handling the questions in the background, that's good. I love an educated audience. Um, let's see, Danny Hopkins. I did TOI with the Moose, Tour of Idaho with the Moose. Not an official finisher, though. What did you do? Post a naked picture of Martin? <laughs> um, or did you, did you, uh, yeah, did you brag about it on an ADV rider? <laughs> yeah, okay. Witnessed 20 tubeless pulled out of bikes on LA B2V one year, uh, but they redesigned them before. There is a version two of uh, tubeless, maybe a version three. And I ran the version ones once, complained about the same things, and I have version twos. I, you know, that's the thing is the ones, the bikes that have my tubeless in them, I have one set that I installed myself, and those ones seem to be really good. The ones that leak could be actually um, version ones or older ones. Um and uh, 
yeah, so I don't, I can't uh, tell you with 100% certainty whether they're the new ones. And a lot of it's how you install them. If you're really careful with the install, um, they seem to do a lot better. And I noticed that even in, like sometimes we're sloppy and we just kind of do a quick tire change on it. We don't really clean off that ceiling band between the inner tube and the the inner tubeless tube and the tire. And uh, that can be bad as well. But uh, if you're not very careful with it just get a tube <laughs> you're going to be a lot a lot better off they, they can be a little bit complicated so um let's see uh where are we at eight o'clock i still got to go a few more minutes because i started late because i'm not going to cheat you hold on everybody wonders what the tequila of the night is it's a uh, loma azul uh blanco this is uh uh it's one of my favorites um was one of my favorites but this is the pivotal Blanco that's going to tell me whether I'm going to like the Reposado and the Anejo in the next few years. So um, in case you were wondering, because uh, everybody wants to know, Victor, were you wondering? <laughs> Victor sent me a, uh, I know I logged into, Victor was live on, uh, on, um, on his Facebook page, I guess it was. And he was at a barbecue or something. And, uh, and you got to know Victor, Mexican guy. Uh, makes the best popsicles known to man. And he was at this, there was a band playing and you couldn't really see it in the video, but I've just figured mariachi, right? That's so racist of me, isn't it? <laughs> Anyways, I jokingly say, hey, no, nah, it wasn't mariachi. It was like metal hardcore. It was good. <laughs> I laughed. That guy is constantly surprising me. I think he has a CR500 too, so it fits. Oh, and all the all you guys on the K... Um, I was going to tell you a couple of places that I, that I pay attention to or follow just cause they're, I get a hoot out of them. Their kicks, um, is, uh, the, there's a K KX and KDX riders worldwide. It's a Facebook, Facebook group. And I threw up the Kawasaki information up there cause I noticed there wasn't anything up on the KLX 300. Of course, that's a KDX and KX is two strokes, but you know, Kawasaki doesn't really make the two strokes anymore. So I threw this up there and everybody said, where's the KX 500 with motor in that? <laughs> and, and where's the two, you know, they, they went off on that. And that's why I'm going to tell the KDX 200 story in a minute, possibly after I have my tequila. Mm. And, uh, but that's a good place to follow if you're into two strokes and KDXs. Uh, so they will give you some good advice. Um, I thought that they would be a little bit more, maybe some more of them here kind of picking on me. Uh, I told them that. And then, uh, I see a question that popped up. I have a new 790R that I loaned to Yoshimura to build an exhaust. Looking forward to writing up some content. Have you ridden the new 790R? Guess what I get to do on Thursday? I may or may not have allegedly ridden that bike before, um, but I'm going to go ride a true production one, the R and also the standard one, on um, on Thursday uh, to do a little impression of it because they're sold out. The R's are completely sold out, so KTM isn't really that anxious to do a lot more press, but they would like um, people to um, that know what they're talking about maybe talk about it, so we can talk about it. Um, and I don't talk about stuff if I don't know what it is. And I don't know that the one I rode previous was a complete um, stock one. So uh, we'll find out. And uh, if you want to uh, let me ride your bike after you get that exhaust system on, <laughs> or before or after, I'll ride it. I don't care. 
Um, catch me up in Washington, the tour tech rally, by the way, I have a few openings in my Friday classes. If you're, if you want to learn how to become a better rider and, um, learn how to mix Rotella in your two stroke. Uh, the other thing, um, uh, Steve Conklin, who wrote a nice story on Africa twin crash bars that I still need to go on the site and edit is here. And he says, he's talking about the tubeless rims on the adventure bikes. And when we say tubeless and tubeless, they're two different systems, but a lot of adventure bikes come with tubeless setups and those are fine because the rims are essentially sealed most of the time. Um, so, uh, KDX 200 story. I'll sign off with this one. I'll let you know. So I got in trouble for racing a KDX 200 back in the Bob. When did we go to Baja that time? Remember when I got the KDX 200? Remember I stole it from James James DeGain? Yeah. Yeah, so what year that was? Yeah, so it was a long time ago. I was racing for Kawasaki. I was a Team Green rider at the time, and I was racing KX250s. And my wife had an older KDX200, and I used to ride it around and love the bike. It was it was, it was was a good good little putt-putt bike, and I knew how to... I could port it a little bit and put a pipe on it, and they ran pretty good. They had a six-speed transmission, and this is the key to it. The six-speed um really pulled uh 93 somebody just told me that sounds about right yeah um i don't know how they knew (laughs) so uh anyways it had the six-speed tranny in it it may have been when they went to the perimeter frame that that was because it was a brand new bike and and they had it down there for kind of pre-running and doing stuff but anyways um, the Kawasaki guys were having a little bit of an issue with some lights and they wanted to run some lights out to a pit. And somehow I got involved in that and was got a Kate. They, they here, take this. I had my XT 600. That's the bike. I remember we had that in your van. I had an XT. So they said, no, hop on the, they saw me unload that. And I know, no, hop on this KDX and do, do whatever. I don't know if I was running light bulbs out there. I don't remember what it was, but so I got it. And then of course everybody spread out, you know, and, and, I put the KDX back. I got, we took the KDX home, didn't we? Yeah, we ended up taking the KDX home. And I realized how fast it was when I was down in Baja, just stock. It was, it felt like it was top speed faster than my 250. So I started playing with it. I ported it and got a pipe and, <laughs> and, uh, and it was faster than my KX 250. So the next desert race, I brought it out and raced it and won. I mean, I beat all the guys that I normally beat and I passed some other guys on roads that I normally wouldn't have been able to pass on roads because we had some long, it was like a hair scrambles. We had some long road sections in it or whatnot. And uh, so I, <laughs> I was allowed to race the KDX and Enduros. That was the one thing. It let me race them in K- the Enduros. Um, and so I, the next weekend was an Enduro. I raced it again. And then I, um, uh, wait, somebody, somebody commented something about how they knew. I just saw it pop up on the screen. Um, and, uh, but then I did it again. I, I, I wanted to race the national hare and hound and I literally showed up with it prepped to race in the national. And that's where the Kawasaki, like James, again, who was the kind of the team green team manager at the time. He's like, what are you doing? He, he's like, you can't, I think I might've been the number one plate holder at the time from, from the year previous. And he's like, you cannot race that bike. And, and he's like, is that my bike? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he, t- he took it away <laughs> so i c- i couldn't race it anymore they made me race the damn kx so i had the suspension i took my suspension to george at esp and uh and uh he was happy i was back on kawasaki's because he, he could actually get some promotion because i was racing the ktm ktm went bankrupt so i had to start racing kawasaki's so uh 
Anyhow, um, that's how come I wasn't allowed to race a KDX 200. And I actually ended up getting one uh, later on and uh, uh, racing it. But, man, there was some pretty cool ones. They they used to um, do the, the conversions. Um, when they were putting, they were doing some, uh, some cool stuff with those bikes at the time, but anyways, uh, good times. So let's see if we have any other, uh, questions really quick in here. Um, let's see. What about that? Uh, rescue three is supported heavily by Kenda now. What tires for the heavy bikes? What's a heavy bike? Uh, if you're talking XR650, uh, the Parker DTs are what you want to run. Um, and uh let's see because i raced a kdx there ear and we battled all day and night we did <laughs> i was so much faster back then <laughs> i was gonna say than you right <laughs> what an ass um let's see dean um oh i know one other uh, another guy asked a question about uh he was asking about changing the gear on his ktm gearing on his ktm 500 uh 19 and i was really surprised by that because They've done a pretty good job with the gearing. And I, I asked what year, because if it was older than 19, I could see where you would want to change the gearing. But the new ones, the standard gearing is actually pretty good. Uh, but if if you're having a if you're having a if you're writing it back east, like in super tight technical, I could see where you would want to maybe, you know, add a tooth or two to the rear. But for dual sport stuff, I don't want to take those teeth off the rear because fifth gear is already a little bit short in my world. Um, where I, I wish it was a little bit, little bit longer spread. Six gear was a little bit more of an overdrive. It's not nearly as bad as the KTM 350, but for the 500, I think they're, the gearing is actually pretty good. So uh, hopefully um, that answers the question. And uh, yes, Morgan, no problem wearing the hat. You got to wear a DBT hat at your next show, but you probably don't have one. So uh, you just write DBT on a white hat and then you can sell them and make lots of money like I do. That's how I support this whole thing by selling hats and t-shirts and you have till tomorrow to order them or you're going to have to wait a month. So I think with that, we're going to wait a minute. Another question popped up. Um, Chance wants to know, does the gear spacing on the YZ450 FX bother you? I've heard a lot of negative feedback on big gaps, specifically two, three and four gear. Thanks. Chance, uh, I don't have a big problem with the gear spacing on that bike. I know we rode it back east, and um, I'm, I'm running through my brain. I didn't, and it's the same. It's the same spacing as on the WR. I think the gearbox is the same, and I don't have a problem with that. Uh, I think if you're having a problem with it, you can tune the map, and especially on the new one, I think it's really good because the engine got a little bit better, and I rode an older. Um, uh, YZ 450 FX not too long ago, and I did I did notice the gap a little bit on that bike, but on the new one not so much because the engine is so much uh, more responsive and lively. Okay, um, yeah, white tape and draw DBT on the hat. That's the answer. Right on, guys. I thank you guys for joining. Tell a friend. Uh, push all the like buttons and the share buttons and the and the share likes and the thumbs up. I want lots of these. I want these to start flying off the screen, all the stuff that's going to make me be able to do this again next week because I'm hungry and I need another taco. So, uh, somebody said they missed the first part of the show. Can I play it back right now? Nope. You're going to have to see me out on the trail. And with that, we're out. Cheers. <laughs>